Father, I thank you for today. I pray, Lord, that you would just work through your word today, uh, that wherever people are listening or watching, uh, Lord, that your spirit would be with us, uh, that your word will transform us, and that we would walk in deeper love and knowledge of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Welcome, church. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin. I am the pastor at Zion, uh, and I'm excited to continue our series today in Colossians. Uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Uh, last week, we talked about husbands and wives. This week, we're talking about uh, children and parents and their relationship. And this is a part of a broader theme uh, in Colossians that Paul is, uh, the writer of Colossians, is talking about, which is the maturity of the believer. And when you start talking about what a mature Christian believer looks like, you start to get into the details of their life, of their love relationships, of the parental uh, relationships, of the, the people around them, how they work, how they act, uh, even so far down to how they eat. Uh, and this is the kind of exciting thing because we, we talked a lot about kind of uh, this theological understanding of God in the beginning of Colossians, and then Paul uh, gives his explanation of the gospel to combat the false gospel. And the false gospel, what it gave was giving is giving the Colossians, uh, is, is giving them a false narrative of what it means to be a mature Christian. And so Paul, to combat that, says, no, here's the real gospel, and this is what it means to be a mature Christian with the real gospel. It is not angelic visitations. It is not following through on all these rituals, but it is the outworking of love, the love that Christ gave us, and now it is the love that we have freely received and that we freely give to other people. And what does that look like in our everyday relationships, in our everyday attitudes, in our everyday actions? And that is what it means to talk about what maturity as a believer in Christ looks like. So we're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. And then I'll also read from Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 to 4, because as last week, you see in Ephesians 5 and 6 is the parallel verses to Colossians 3. As Paul's talking about maturity there, gets into the family structure, um, and we see it from last week and this week. So I'll start with Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 1-4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, like we said, Christ, uh, following Christ hits all aspects of your life. And uh, so we're, we're going to be talking about kind of the relationship between parent and child uh, today because that's an important relationship when we talk about how the gospel changes our hearts and then changes our lives. Uh, and so uh, first thing I want to say, a couple of kind of disclaimers in this. Uh, as we get into what Paul's talking about, is Paul is assuming a Christian family. So he's assuming a um, husband and wife who love God first and foremost, and the directives that they are instructing their children and are asking their children are going to be uh, Christian directives or things that would not make them go against the law of Christ, but would join the, it into helping them walk out 
the law of God. And then also, when we say children, uh, we are talking about what we would picture as children, as someone who is, you know, in our society, under the age of 18, under the uh, direction of their parents. So this is not, uh, you know, viewing uh, adults as always being in this uh, subservient uh, relationship with their parents as you're an adult child. Uh, but this is, as we see in Ephesians 6, uh, what what is Paul getting at? Uh, he is saying, he says, bring them up in, meaning we are talking about raising young children. We're not talking about the relationship of adult children with their adult parents. Uh, this is young children being brought up in a Christian home. Okay, uh, so let's start with verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I love this. If your children are watching today, then I would tell you this. Uh, children, Jesus loves when we listen to and obey our parents because parents are the people that God puts in our life so that we can grow up to flourish uh, in our life when we get older. And our parents, as they love Jesus first and foremost, their goal in our life as they are raising us up in the faith is to help us have a flourishing relationship with Jesus. So if you are a child listening to this, then know, uh, yes, there may be, your, you, you may have friends uh, that disrespect their parents, do not honor their parents, disobey their parents, and may be tempting to act like that. You may yourself not like the things that your parents ask you to do uh, and the structures that your parents put in your life, but know that when we obey our parents, uh, it pleases God and not only pleases God, but as Paul says in Ephesians 6, this is the first commandment with a promise that this, this is a, a way that God uses to give us a uh, long life. Uh, my, I just visited my uncle uh, this morning, actually my great uncle. He's 93 years old. And uh, he was making fun of people that, you know, talk to him and say, you know, how, how did you get to become so old? And to like, you know, he, what he said, he goes, you know, how many tomatoes are you eating? Or, you know, what kind of food are, are you putting in your body? Are you stirring it with this type of sauce or not using that sauce? And he goes, ah, fangu, Justin. That means an old Italian guy. That means nothing. <laughs> That's how he talks. Uh, and he goes, it is God. It is God. And, you know, as, as I hear stories of his life, his life is full of stories of him honoring his parents um, when not everybody wanted to. And so uh, he says that the only reason why he's lived his long life, there's no secret to it. There's nothing that he's eaten. And I can attest, I go shopping for him. Uh, so I can tell you there's, there's no practical reason why he should be 93 alive and cooking. And as he says, have all of his marbles. Uh, the only reason, that's what he does. He always points to say, I got all my marbles, Justin. That's what he says. Um, but the only reason why is uh, because of God. And so God is the only one that can give us this life. So children, obey your parents. It pleases God, and it's the first commandment with a promise. But also what I love about verse 20 here uh, is that Paul is assuming, talking to the children, that children are a part of the congregation that they are, um, they are in the body. You know, so often today, children are an afterthought. 
Uh, we we want to get rid of them as much as possible. Uh, when we used to meet in a church, you know, church a lot of times is seen as free daycare. Yeah, let me let me get rid of my kids for an hour and a half so that I can uh, get what I want. And look, I understand you. I got four kids. Uh, being with your kids your whole week and you want to sit in service and you want to enjoy it and, and not have to tell your kids to be quiet every five seconds and take away their phone or game or whatever the heck that they're doing. Um, and trying to get them to pay attention is hard with the attention span. But um, we, we shouldn't see it as we want to get rid of our kids or we shouldn't see it as we don't want them to experience this. Really, the church should be a familial experience uh, together when we're at a service or an assembly together. But also, like we have learned so much over the past year, church is the people of God. And so the, you are literally as a family, a church in your home, and you should have services in your home, worship time together in your home, uh, teaching time together in your home. Your your kids are not something uh, that we want to disregard or, or put to the sidelines. No, kids are loved by Christ. You know, when the disciples tried to push away the kids from Jesus when they were coming to him, uh, Jesus rebuked the disciples and told them, no, let the children come because that is what the kingdom of God is all about, right? Children were a deep part of every congregation. Why? Because these churches were house churches. Uh, you know, they they did not have cathedrals and, and buildings like we think of them now. Uh, they would meet in each other's homes. And so there's really no escaping, bringing your children, having them become a part of that. But instead of neglecting the children, the children were an integral part of the church. Uh, and so here is Paul writing a letter to the church, and he is not uh, presupposing that the kids don't matter, that he's not going to say anything to them. But he makes sure that he has a word of encouragement of maturity for the kids just as much as he does for the adult. And all the things that he talks about and all the things that we read in scripture, there's no age limit on these things unless specifically given. So when we when we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, when we see the outworking of love and we see self-control and, and we see not getting your own way and we see kindness and gentleness as the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that are not given age limits. They're, we're not Nowhere in Scripture does it say, well, you only can get the, the Holy Spirit if you are over 21 years of age. You know, if, if you're of drinking age, that then you can get the Holy Spirit because then you're responsible enough to, to have the Holy Spirit. And, you know, after, let's say, 89 years old or, oh, you know, let's, let's go with our side. After 65, you retire, Holy Spirit departs from you, uh, and now you're not supposed to do any type of ministry. You're not supposed to be led by him. You just, you know, you eke out at, at that point. No, that is not what Scripture says. There is no age requirements. It doesn't matter how young we are. It doesn't matter how old we are. The Spirit is at work transforming our life. Uh, one of the things I love uh, that I've heard said before is there's no retirement in the kingdom, right? We are here on the earth on God's mission until God says that our time has come to be on mission on the earth and he takes us to be with him. So as long as we have breath, from the moment we have breath to the moment that we don't, we are on mission with God. And in that mission, he is constantly by his spirit transforming us and by his spirit using us. And so children, uh, just like I was saying, they, they are not something that we are disregard or put them on the sidelines or to say, you know what, when you get older, we will care about you. And so often the church has done this 
And that is why we see millions of children leaving the faith in every generation. And it's just getting worse and worse in Western culture because we do not value children in our culture. We don't value bringing them up. In fact, at every opportunity we have, we get rid of them. We put them in school for eight hours a day, and then we get a babysitter for when we get home, and then we get a nanny for the times that we don't want to take care of them. And then it's no different when we gather as a church, and then we put them away again. And so a lot of parenting in Western culture is how often can I get away from my children, not how can I enter into the life of my children and see how the Spirit can transform their life. And so children are an integral part of the church. Paul speaks to them, just like he gave both the husband and the wife dignity. We talked about that last week. He gives both children and parents dignity this week as having equal responsibility in a relationship, in this relationship. Our children, remember, this is about Christian maturity. Our children need to be able to be viewed as being able to grow in maturity. You know, if you don't view children as as being people that have dignity, that can grow in maturity, then our expectations will be so light. And and what will happen? The the places that they find give them dignity, give them identity, see them as mature. Those are going to be the places that they long to grow their identity in. Those are going to be the places that they're going to long to learn about places that value uh, them and their intellectual capacities. You know, as when I was a youth pastor, came across this all the time, just uh, parents not being able to see how their children can grow and mature in the faith, and, you know, as a 16-year-old, treating them like a 6-year-old. Uh, even my 6-year-old, I talk to him like an adult. When we talk about Scripture, I don't, uh, I don't like to... Uh, presuppose that he just he he's he's too dumb to understand now I talk to him like an adult and he knows when he has questions he stops me and we talk about that and I try to explain in a way that okay if he's asking this question this is how he's processing the information and then when we have these conversations about scripture then we talk about it after so if we're talking about what love is and then I see him acting in an unloving way towards his little brother, his little sisters, then we talk about, well, we remember when we talked about what love was? Do you think that this is loving? Well, no, that wasn't really loving, right? So if that's not what loving, being loving, how about we pray and ask Jesus to help us be more loving? Let's put this scripture into practice so that you as a six-year-old can mature in your walk with God and not act like that. Because just like the Holy Spirit transforms my heart and how I act towards people, I expect that Holy Spirit to be able to transform his heart. And I teach him to have faith for the Holy Spirit to transform his heart so that he can mature as a Christ follower, just as Heather and I are maturing as Christ followers. It's really important to make sure that your children have dignity and respect when you're talking to them about these things. See, it is the the familial responsibility um, to mature the children. Uh, too often, I have heard complaints as children grow up, and you know, I, I grew up in the in the church, so I grew up. Many of my friends I grew up with walked away from the faith, and that started at a young age. I could say, 
as early as like fourth and fifth grade, my friends were walking away from the faith all the way up until college. I saw little by little uh, friends turn away. I, I saw friends that stayed, but I saw many, many friends turn away. And many times uh, the parents would look at the church and say, why did you allow this to happen? And the truth of the matter is, it is primarily over and over and over again in Scripture, the parents' responsibility to disciple and to train your children. It is the parents' responsibility to mature your children in Christ. Now, we'll talk about it in a minute. The body comes around the parents and gives them resources and helps them walk that out. And if, let's say, either both parents are not serving God or only one parent is serving God, then the church comes in to help fill the gaps that are needed. But it is first and foremost the parental responsibility to disciple the children. How often is your child with the entire church? An hour and a half? A week in in non-COVID times? Now, you know, if they're on Kids Zoom chat, that's about a half an hour a week. You cannot truly learn to mature in something. You cannot really learn and be discipled in something in only 30 minutes a week or even an hour and a half a week. The place where our children are most discipled are the place where they most live. So that will be in school and watching you. And so this is why what our children are learning in school is important. And this is why how we act and model Christ-like behavior at home is important because ultimately almost all children will have two competing models in their life and neither of those two models are the church. There is the model that the uh, school system will teach them of what life should be like, how they should think, how they should act, what maturity looks like, uh, what their friends think, what their parents' friends think, and how all of that plays into what a classroom of 30 kids with only one uh, adult oversight. So really, it's just a lot of kids parenting each other. That's one model they'll get. And then the other model that they will get is you, uh, how you are raising them. And those two models will be competing uh, for the first 18 years of their life, 21 years, however, if they're going off to college or not. And they will be comparing and contrasting, whether consciously or subconsciously, everything that happens in these two models. And they're going to be asking, which model is better? And many, many, many times, the model that our children are finding at home is not a Christ-like model, but is said in Christ-like terms. So this looks like this. I am a Christian, and how... And I'm going to show you what a Christian model is. I'm going to scream at you. I'm going to abuse you. I'm going to take advantage of you. I am uh, I'm not going to be kind to you. I won't be gentle to you. I'm always going to get my own way. Right? I'm, I'm saying that this is the Christian model and this is what I'm showing you. So they'll look at that model, at, at the, the sins of, of, of us as their parents, and they'll say, well, that's the Christian model. I don't want that. Then they'll look at their school model and they'll say, maybe I want that. And, and we t- see so many children of our children taking the other model, the model that the world shows them. And so that is why it is important that we not only just talk, confess Christ, but we walk out the ways of Christ more importantly than anywhere else at home. And we as Christians, we have this backwards. 
We love to walk out the ways of Christ in a service, right? That's where we put on our facade. We put on our smiles. How are you doing today, sister? Blessed in Jesus' name. Why, how are you, kind sir? Well, I am blessed in Jesus' name too. And we open the door for each other and we cut each other's bagels. But then when we get home, what do we, you know, the sweatpants come on and then it's, go get me my drink, you know, like, leave me alone, right? We th- There is a different model that we're showing them and the the place that we are supposed to show our brokenness so that we can repent and receive healing and love from one another is oftentimes the place that we put on the Christian mask in front. Whereas really the place that we should be showing true maturity and Christ-like behavior is our home where we should be walking in the deepest of love because this is the place that we are truly discipling people. If we have children in our home, this that's they're following us. Every action that we take, they are watching and we are discipling them, whether we want to or not. We are discipling them with how often we read the Bible to ourselves and to them, showing them the importance of scripture reading. We are discipling them by how often we pray, by showing them how important our relationship with God is. We are discipling them by how often we are sarcastic, how often we scream, how often we are kind, how often we are gentle, how often we get our own way. We are discipling them in how we interact with each other as husbands and wives. We are discipling them in how we talk about our friends. We are discipling them in how we talk about work. Everything that we do, they are listening, they are comparing, they are analyzing, and the most integral discipleship that our children are receiving is the one at home. And so when Paul is looking at the maturity of the believer, he's looking at children and saying, you guys can mature too. Um, And we can't forget that our children have to mature in the faith and we can't all of a sudden at 25 say, wait, why isn't my child serving God anymore? I should probably start praying with them and reading books with them. No, at that point, it's too late. You've had 25 years to disciple your child Uh, most likely they've made up their mind already. Uh, And so we should take the time now to do that work. The church can help direct, can help give resources and admonish. But as Christ-following parents, our primary role is discipling our children in, in instructions, actions, and care. Verse 21, what does it say? Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 4, 6 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them to in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So why is the second part directed at fathers, you may ask, and not fathers and mothers? Well, um, one reason this is is because uh, in Roman Hellenistic society, parental law stated that the father had unlimited power over their children. Uh, They could just do as they pleased with their children. Um, And so that, that when talking about how fathers are acting towards their children, it was important to address the fathers uh, in this way, but also uh, this Greek word used for fathers at other times is actually translated as parents. Uh, And so I think if you look at the broader scope of scripture, uh, and you look at all the times where uh, you you look at the, the child and the parent relationship, uh, you see an overwhelming amount of evidence that it is not just the father's role uh, to discipline and instruct children in the law, but you in the Lord, but you see that it is the a, a shared responsibility between both the father 
and the mother. And so um, I, I'm going to break up what Paul says here into three different commands. One is uh, do not pr provoke. We see that in both uh, Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 6. Do not provoke. Don't discourage your kids. That's what, what Paul is trying to say here. How, how do you speak to them? How do you react to them? How do you care for them? Uh, if, if, you're, if, if how you speak to your child is always condescending, is always looking down at them, is always screaming at them, is always passive aggressive against them, is, is always rolling your eyes at them, well, that is going to be a way that you will discourage them, that you will provoke your child. Oftentimes, we are very angry at our children's response to us when really our children are just mimicking our responses to them. Did you hear that? And so what we're angry at is not really at our child, but we're angry at the way that we have discipled our child. And we have to understand that because that will help us redirect our anger from our child to really our own habits and ways of going about doing things. Uh, I have noticed so often that um, when, when I, let's say like I'm upset at how the kids are talking to each other and I correct them, you know, I'll have an ear out like, man, where did they get that from? And then I'll realize like, Wow, they got that from me. Like that, I I said that same exact line to to one of the kids, and they were just repeating that to them because where did they learn how to interact with the other kids? They got that from me. They learned how to interact from me, and so really, an exercise in discipling them and teaching them is me going to God many times and saying, God, purify my heart and my mouth that I would not talk like this anymore, that I would be a good example for my kids to learn how to interact with me and my wife, but also with each other and how, how, like, how I'm caring for Elle and Lexi, my twin little girls. Judah and Levi, they're going to reflect that. And when Elle and Lexi bother me and are annoying and won't stop crying, and how I respond to that, well, guess what? The next time Elle or Lexi are bothering or crying uh, when uh, Judah towards Judah and Levi and annoying them, how I responded to them that last time is how they're going to be responding. So we as parents have a responsibility not to discourage our kids, bring them to anger. Uh, and many times uh, we can see ourselves doing this and how we speak to them, how we react to them with something. Uh, I see this often, you know, with something will happen and my reaction will just be overblown. You know, if something is broken or we got a rug, something spills on the rug, uh, or one of the kids just does something by accident and they hurt uh, either somebody or, or break something, and my reaction oftentimes is a negative one immediately. Um, and I'll have to check that and say, man, that my child is more important. Whatever object or however I'm feeling right now, and, and they are learning how and how I react, and then they react back to me. They're just mimicking my emotional, under, my emotional understanding of the situation. They are mimicking back to me uh, what I am teaching them to do in that moment. And then it's very easy for me to even get more. Don't you dare talk to me like that. Well, I just talk to him like that. He's learning from me how to talk to me. And then how we care for our children. Right? How, 
we raise them up, how in everyday life, right? How our, our talking with them, our reacting to them, and our caring for them, it is very easy in all those different things to continually provoke them. And Paul's saying in this first command, do not live in such a way that you are discouraging your kids. That is not Christian maturity. In our home, I am the first person to say sorry to the kids uh, when something goes wrong in the house, if I raise my voice. You know, if, if I raise my voice and then my son raises, uh, one of my sons raise their voice back at me, it would be very easy for me in the dominant uh, position to just say, you better say sorry, never talk to me like that again. Uh, and of course, you know, they would say sorry. But uh, as a Christ follower, Really, I know that the example I need to set is not to force someone to say sorry to me, but the example is that I say sorry to him. And so I'll be the first one to apologize. Listen, Levi, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have reacted like that. I shouldn't have screamed. Can you forgive me? You know, yes, daddy. All right. Can you pray with me? Okay. And how you reacted too, you cannot scream like that. I forgive you. Okay. Thank you, daddy. Let's pray. Right? We, we, we have to be in a place where we are leading and modeling the way for our children and what true Christ maturity and true Christ-likeness is. Just because you are the parent, do not think that you can treat your kids however you want. That's the gist of what Paul is getting at. Don't think that you won't answer for it. Because let's say your kids never confront you on it, which many kids never will confront their parents on it. Guess what? You will answer to God for how you have stewarded your leadership over your kids and how you have led them in their childhood and the things that you have said to them and done to them. You will answer for that towards God. Just like all of our actions, we will have to provide an account to God for how we raise up our children. Second command here Paul gives is to discipline this is a bit of a touchy topic. A lot of people discipline differently. Um, you know, Proverbs twenty two fifteen says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. All right, if, if you have a child, you know that children are born with folly. I always say we, uh, we don't need a doctrine of original sin. You just need a child to see it at play. You don't have to teach your child to lie. Uh, you don't have to teach your child to be shady uh, these are things that just kind of naturally happen uh, as children grow and, you know, they, they're flesh. They are, they are the epitome of selfish human beings, right? They just want their way, especially in the beginning. That's, that's all they know. Uh, and uh, oftentimes, especially in today's culture around discipline, uh, we uh, cannot truly... Uh, discipline our children. And, and, and in scripture, I'm not saying you should beat your kid every day. That's absolutely not. You know, when it comes to uh, using physical reminders for discipline, that is at every parent's discretion. Uh, but, you know, some children need it more than others. I was a child who needed it often uh, and plenty. And I thank God every day that my parents did that because I grew up with kids that needed it often and never got it. Uh, and I saw the difference, you know, and 
It, it is uh, just a, it is a thing of wisdom to do that. It is something that God actually does with us. Um, you know, in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Right? Discipline is actually a true form of love. And when we don't discipline, uh, as Proverbs says here, it is actually a form of hatred. Uh, and we see in Hebrews 12, 6, that the Lord does the same thing for us. It says in Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. So God has disciplined me as an adult. Why does he discipline me? Because God loves me. Why do we discipline our children? Because we love our children. Discipline is a way of saying, listen, you are going down the wrong path. You are headed towards destruction. And if you continue to go down that path, then it will not be good for you. And so I'm going to discipline you to try to correct your sight, to stop going down this path and to turn your head to start going down that path path. And, and that is our role as parents in discipline, to love our children enough to do the hard work of changing and directing their path. I read this one book, I think it's called Raising Godly Children, something like that, some, some Christian name. It was a really good book though. Um, and the, the, the parents were talking about discipline and they, they said, look at your children. Uh, look at all of the things that they do and imagine them doing that in 20 years. Would you still think uh, it was cute or should they? would you still think they should get away with it? And man, that was really, really good for me because I realized there were a lot of things I was letting my children get away with, you know, at three years old, four years old, five years old, because whatever, at five years old, but they are learning habits now at that age, at their age. They are forming their mind, their brain, they are forming the habits. These are the habits that are going to carry them into their teenage years and then are going to carry them from teenage years into adulthood. And so if I allow these habits now of, of talking back, if I allow these habits now of rolling their eyes, of storming away, uh, of screaming, of, of misreacting, if I allow those habits now, then I cannot complain when they're a teenager or when they're an adult and they continue to do these habits because I never lovingly discipline them out of those habits as a child so that they didn't continue and they continued the good habits, the, the ways of apologizing, asking for forgiveness, of learning to control their anger, to control uh, their, uh, their rage and things like that, to control their even their facial expressions and how they talk to one another. And so my rule now is like if they're doing something and I ask myself, what would that look like in 20 years? Would I be proud of them doing that as an adult or would I look away in shame um, because of how I have raised them? So discipline uh, matters and it is our job to discipline our children and that is one way that we can love them. And the third command and last thing is instruction. I love this. This is my favorite thing to talk about. We already touched on it lightly. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Again, both the father and the mother. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Right? The, the instruction and the teaching of the father and mother are like beautiful jewelry that adorn you. These are things that you will wear with pride when you get older. This is both parents' responsibility. I cannot stress this enough. 
that if both parents are in the home, it is both parents' responsibility to teach and instruct the children. This should not be an afterthought. This should be a part of every single day of your life. This should be an integral part of their formation as children into teenage years, into adulthood, that they know every single day they are learning about God. At every stage of life for our children, there are ways to grow them in their knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ. And we can figure out we have to do the due diligence as their parents, as their stewards. God has given them to us as a blessing to steward their young years, and we have to do the homework. And I know it's hard when we get home from work, right? I know it's hard after a long day of being with them to then also think about how then am I going to think about teaching them and instructing them about God? Or I know in the morning, you know, the last thing you want to do is add another routine. But let me tell you, in 20 years, 30 years, You will look back at what you do now with your kids and instilling the instruction and the teaching of the Lord as one of the best things that you ever did in your life. You won't look back and say, I wish I worked more. You won't look back and say, I wish I slept that extra 15 minutes. You won't look back and say, I I wish I took more naps. Uh, you, You won't. You will look back and say, I'm so thankful that I spent the extra time with them, teaching them. There are a lot of resources. If you if you have questions about what resources you can use to teach your kids, I, I encourage you, email us, info at zion.nyc. We can give you resources. We have uh, Jenny as our kids director. She has lots of resources for lots of different age groups that you can walk through there. There are so many fun ways that you can walk through scripture and instruction with your teaching. There are so many ways that I've just had such a delight sitting down with the kids and learning them. If When I think back about how my dad and my mom were so intentional about teaching me every morning, every night, every Sunday afternoon, reading scripture, reading devotionals, talking about God, giving me books, conversations about prayer, conversations about scripture. It was intentional. It was regular. It was habitual. And it formed my life so that as I grew older, it says in Proverbs that I did not depart from the way that I was instructed. When we correct and instruct our kids, when we teach them the realities of the darkness of the world and their own heart and how to navigate them as peaceful, forgiving, self-controlled, Christ-following Christians, what are we doing then? We are giving them wisdom that will lead them to life. We are teaching them that there is a way that leads to death. That way is not good, but here is the path unto life and our instruction Our discipline does that, and we cannot forsake that as their parents. One day, they are going to need to go off on their own. They will go out there with everything you have taught them. They may be really equipped for the world, the temptations that will come and the wiles of the enemy, and they'll have a high chance to survive. Or they may not be equipped and be easily devoured by the enemy who scripture says is going back and forth, looking, seeking for whom he may devour. 
Church, we have to do our job to mature our children in the faith. In our homes, personally, and in our body, collectively. How do we walk out this life that we mature our children, that our children are not an afterthought? When we think about parenting, we don't think about being depressed or about complaining, but we see, God, how can we steward this amazing and great blessing and responsibility that you have given us in our life? Can you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For the ways that you call us, God, to steward this great responsibility that you have given us. Help us to not neglect, God, the call and command to disciple our children, to instruct them, to teach them in the ways of the Lord, to raise them up in emotionally healthy places where we're not provoking them to anger, where we're not holding them to an an untenable standard, but we are teaching them the ways and love, being the first and foremost examples of kindness, of gentleness, of not getting your own way. God, of being selfless, Lord, and putting away all selfishness, of walking in self-control and patience and long-suffering. God, teach us to raise mature children in the faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.